Welcome to the Masters in Motion podcast, where we empower Masters athletes to reach their full potential. Join us as we delve into the world of CrossFit and showcase the strength, resilience, and determination of Masters athletes, because we love this sport. I'm Jason Grubb. Again, I'm here with Rick Stevenson. This is episode 16, actually. I can't believe we've done this 16 times so far, and I'm, I love it every week. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's uh, And there's something to talk about every single week, believe it or not. Every week. And if not, we'll make something up. Because, but no, there really is something to talk about this. Let's jump into the news and updates. We will we'll jump into um, some of our thoughts around Masters athletes, some semifinal leaderboards, stuff like that. But the headline of today, we just happen to see this uh, before we press the record button, is that Val O'Brien has withdrawn from competition for this weekend's semifinals. This, this semifinal starts in two days, Rick. I, I was really shocked to see it. You know, it's it's when you check the calendar and you're like, it's not April first. That this is not a it's not a joke. And uh, you know, it didn't specifically say there was injury related, like Ricky Gerard was with the shoulder. Uh, I, you know, it, the timing is curious. Um, you, you wish her well. Uh, she didn't specifically say a reason why, you know, maybe it is injury related, but uh, I think athlete check-in is on Thursday. So uh, you would have to imagine that they were geared up, ready to go, and maybe even almost on site at this point down in Orlando. Right. I mean, uh, that's that's a tough situation. And I, I imagine, obviously, we don't know what's going on in her life and her world. We're, we're going to give her the benefit of the doubt of just that, that she's saying what she, she needs to spend more time on things that, that are meaningful to her. Mm-hmm. She needs to, to dial things back. And this is the second teenage phenom uh, become young woman kind of in the CrossFit world that we've seen do this. Obviously, Haley did this just a couple of months ago and had the courage to be really transparent mm-hmm. about um, her her exit from the competitive space. And some of her we don't issues. know. Right. Yep. Yeah, we, it, we don't. And she she did some podcasts on that and was uh, wonderfully transparent. I mean, I follow Haley. I follow Mal on Instagram. And Haley seems to be really just doing life right now. And I know we, we talked about before and, that, you know, they're friends. And um, maybe there's a possibility that Haley taking that step took some of the pressure off Mal. If she'd been maybe chewing on this for a little while, uh, knowing that she's not the only one that took a step back this season, you know, maybe that gave her a sense of permission, but um, whatever's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, obviously we, we want to see the best uh, for her and she's a tremendous athlete. And uh, this must've been a truly agonizing decision, uh, especially if they were on site, if they're there, or even if they were just packing their bags to head out the door, um, you know, I, yep. who knows what that was like, but it had to be really agonizing coming from, you know, we're both competitors um, she's a competitor, top of her game, but uh, must have been really, really a big deal for her to to pull the trigger on that post today. I I can't put myself in her shoes just because when we think back to what we were doing at their age, it was you know nothing like what they put themselves through in terms of uh, being out there in the public. I mean, I toil in obscurity. You're certainly more known in the space uh, than I am. But the fact that all the eyes are on these young ladies and, you know, how it's been part of their lives just growing up in their formative teenage years, uh, it's a lot to process to think about this, you know, as a as a competitor, but then as a parent of, of children relatively the same age, um, you know, everything that might or must go through your mind uh, and, and the issue, the, the confidence, the just mentally what you might process, if that's indeed the case. And I don't, again, I'm going to, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah. Wish her all the, all the, all the best. Yeah. And uh, I know you're a father of daughters. Yeah. She is amazing to watch yep. compete. And, and is a, it's a, uh, it's, it's just, <laughs> I remember her doing, 
this the uh, third the fifth quarterfinal workout with the um uh, the bar muscles deadlifts all of that she was so f- i had just completed it then i watched her video and it was just unbelievable how how good she was uh getting she was through done in those a fraction events. of the time yeah. <laughs> a fraction really and yeah i was saying as a as a yeah. you're a father of daughters i am a father of a daughter and uh, uh yeah you know whenever when they face certain levels of stress you know, we just want to swoop in as as fathers like uh, you know, it's everything's gonna be okay you're safe um you know and and really be be protective obvious of our own kids um so yeah i mean i agree with you we are uh, obviously hopefully that everything's okay there uh as you know as you know the last thing maybe i'll say on this is uh pulling back from uh, looking at it from a competition standpoint uh for those women that do qualify for madison and this is you know obviously not masters related but from the individual elite side that uh point was raised that that's now six out of the top 16 finishers last year will not be or will not have a chance to, for various reasons, be in Madison this year. So uh, wide open and what should be a very exciting uh, women's competition. Uh, and yeah. don't don't sleep on uh, good old Iceland Annie, who's coming back in on the individual I mean, side. Obviously, um, she went team. Could could she have picked a better year to step back into the individual competition? Individual side. I know. I I, I could see it, that is going to be exciting to watch. It, really exciting, and we will we will definitely have episodes where we are making bets. Uh, once we see who's actually getting to the games post individual semifinals, I think right. as fans of the sport, we will certainly have some discussions about um, absolutely you know, who we think our horses are to win this thing, and maybe some sleepers in there. Mm-hmm. I've got some ideas on that. So uh, that'll be that'll be interesting, but it definitely shakes it up when you have uh, that that many of the athletes from last year that aren't there this year. Now we've got this open space. It's uh, you know anything goes. I think uh, at the games, it's be very hard to predict, and mm-hmm. the bets are not guaranteed. That's for sure. Uh, moving on to the semifinal leaderboard for Masters athletes. So. The whole world is ready for the individual semifinals live competitions. I'm excited to be a fan and just and just geek out and watch all of that. Uh, but this past week, we had our leaderboards finalized, uh, and I've accepted my uh, invitation to the games already, paid the fee, and um, I'm going. There's no way I wasn't accepting that invitation. Uh, that was Wednesday of last week. Yeah, that's when that was finalized. It was it was fun to see a lot of the posts. Uh, from people because you know opening up that email uh, it makes it validates the hard work put in uh, and you never want to count on a result being final until you see that email Precisely. and I yeah. think the the leaderboard locking last week was was one step but then I think there was a day or two delay before you got the email is that right and yeah yeah you, you never want to you just with CrossFit, and we've been, I think, fairly uh, critical of some of overlooking some small details along the process this year. In fairness, right. um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't put it past them for missing sending something out. So I just, <laughs> you just wait until it's there. So good for you. Hats off. Yeah, we're in. We're in. And we, um, uh, you've compiled a list of the top uh, or, or some notable athletes that are going to the games. This um, yep. We are going to go through those names. We want to do some of these highlights and shout outs. Uh, but you know, there are seven divisions of men and <clears throat> seven divisions of women. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to take this week to shout out uh, the 35-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, and the 45-year-olds. 
plus into their division. And next week, we will give shout outs to the 50 plus, the 55 plus, the 60 plus, and the 65 plus. Is that fair, Rick? That's absolutely fair because there's <laughs> that's a lot of divisions and there's a lot of good stories. And these are just names that you and I are you know aware of and have followed or know or cheer for or yeah. we'll let you do the men's 45 to 49. How about that? I, you tell I know all there, those but, guys. I'll um, tell you everything. It's, it, yeah, I was going to say in, in fairness, in fairness to uh, any listeners that are out there, we'll, uh, we'll keep it, uh, keep it short and brief this week. How's that? Um, looking, I was going to say, starting with late, let's let the ladies go first on the, uh, on the ladies side, 35 to 39. Uh, she podiumed last year uh, in that division. That's China Cho, no stranger to the games. I think I counted. It's going to be her ninth trip to Madison in some capacity, individual wow. team. And now two years of masters. It's a pretty impressive record. Uh, and then Stacy Tovar was another name that showed up out of um, the uh, semifinals. And if you've been listening to the official games podcast, she's been guest hosting with Chase Ingram and, and Adrian Conway. And uh, it's, it's her, it's not her first year because uh, she's taken some time to have, have uh, kids in, in um, before, as she turned 35, but this is her first year of really kind of pushing, pushing the pace, putting in the work and it uh, landed her a birth in Madison. And when they asked her, she said, like you, absolutely. I'm going, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, we won't know this until the rosters are set, but as we go through, I think there's really maybe one person and you know who that is, who flat out said not passing on the invite <laughs> to yep. be in his position, but uh, back to the ladies, the other name that uh, stood out there uh, from a former games competitor was Danny Haran. And I know mm-hmm. she, she comes from the Northeast. She's uh, made a couple of games appearances, but uh, looking at the, at the uh, details, that was her first, this is her first trip as a master's athlete, but then uh, men's 35 to 39, you know, who's not going right. There's some familiar names on that list. And I, I, knew that Rich yeah. Froning wasn't going before we did semifinals. It was abundantly clear. He made it he made it clear, but he still yep. did the semifinals yep. in order to support uh, some of the other guys that were doing semifinals at the same time, which is just so much fun. So much fun. That's a teammate right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so for for that division, I think you had to automatically look at who was in the eleventh eleventh place. And that eleventh place uh, probably needs to send Rich a thank you. Uh, Absolutely, by <laughs> way, shape, or form. But Scott Panchik put on a you know clinic uh, in his uh, his scores there in semifinals. Brian Wong is actually the defending champ in that age group, and uh, uh, you know certainly took a took a lot of effort. But uh, he looked appeared to have no problems both in quarterfinals and semifinals uh, qualifying again. And then somebody who I think. Um, Oh, well, another another larger name out there in the sport, uh, Frederick Egidius. Uh, he's, you know, multiple time games and, you know, Annie's a significant other. Uh, but uh, somebody who you spent time with on the uh, uh, semifinal side, uh, uh, Josh Morand. Um, yep. He looks like he's going back and he put Tremendous on. Tremendous athlete. He had a couple of, uh, I, I think his, I think that. His score in workout test A beat Froning's by a couple of seconds, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah, he I mean, is, he, Josh, he's he a, he's a shuttle there. running master. Yeah, he can shuttle. Um, oh, watching him shuttle run was that's where you made just up his insane. Time. Yeah. Now, someone who was on fringe in that ninth, 10th place spot for a while uh, was Elijah Muhammad. He was also uh, doing semifinals at the same time as me. And I just noticed now he's in 17th, so he won't be going to the games. And it makes me wonder if he... Ran into uh, a penalty in some, at some point in, in some, somewhere. In it here. was 
it was a, I don't I don't know the details. Um, he referred to it as something with his goblet squats. Yes, so I know. I, I know what it was. It was the last workout. Yeah, I tell you what, I was actually watching, full extension. Yeah, if you watch Froning's video of workout, uh, what was that workout for? Um, I remember watching that. This is after test, the fact. Yeah, a test four. four, and I was I was watching the video, sitting on the couch, watching the video on YouTube, thinking like, oh no, Elijah's not standing up tall on that box. Oh no, like it's it's not a good rep. Those reps mm-hmm. are, are are really funky. And what, what what ended up happening? This is what he's doing. He's moving he so over. fast. As he stood up on the box, he was tapping his second foot on the box and stepping down. You know what? If, could you imagine stepping up with one leg, Without tap with extension. your second foot yep. and come down? And uh, it it that doesn't work. And I remember thinking like, oh wow, I I wonder if those are good reps or not. Uh, I just wasn't sure. I didn't really think anything about it, but I see that there was a an adjustment showing that he was nine thirty three and. In person, um, he was faster than Josh on that workout. Josh uh, shows here a score of 859, so um, Elijah de- definitely took a hit on that, and that bumps about to 24th place on that particular workout mm-hmm. when all of his other placements are, well, you know, in mid are in the teens or, you know, ninth on the first on the first workout. But um, he's such a sweet guy. I've, I've never got to spend much time with Elijah, uh, but in person, he is salt of the earth. Great guy. Absolutely great guy. So a bummer yep. that we won't see him at the games, but I don't think this will be his last attempt to get there. I think he's. I think he was there as a coach for a teenage mm-hmm. athlete last year, if I recall correctly, and obviously wanted to step back in on the competitive side himself. Uh, yeah, won't, won't be the last time. There's no doubt. No doubt there. Uh, women 40 to 44, uh, a lot of familiar names, and it just shows you how long we've all been at this sport. Uh, Jen Ryan from Invictus. Um, she's been there as an individual. I mean, she's been there as a team athlete with Invictus. She's been there as a master's athlete a number of different times. Uh, uh, sailed sailed through uh, semifinals. Looks like, uh, barring anything unforeseen, will be accepting her invitation and is uh, headed back to the games. Sam Briggs. I don't know the details on this. I wonder if uh, she'll end up in Madison. Uh, I know she competed in the 35 to 39 category and uh, has, has gone back to being a full-time firefighter, I believe. So and I don't know what her training schedule looks like, if she even wants to do that. So we'll have to watch sure. that division when they set the rosters. Um, well, her scores uh, reflect, I mean, I mean oh. Sam is, Samantha Briggs, I was just going to say, her scores reflect that her engine is doing just fine. Um, so uh, literally the engine workouts <laughs> yeah, are just, she just crushes that stuff. Really, yeah, really shocker. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Uh, Rebecca Voigt-Miller. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you've run out of fingers on your hands, and I think you're now needing your toes when you start to count her total games appearances. Um, it's silly. I, I we're, She's one of those few that can say, I started at the ranch uh, and have gone to Carson and now – and you know, and then Madison, and now Madison is a, as a master's athlete, and wherever the games end up next, she just uh, she has a, an ability to compete at the very high level. Uh, looks like she'll be headed back. And then another shout out to Rachel Sessa. Um, I point this out because this is her first appearance at the games. Um, I know she knocked on the door uh, for a couple of years in the women's thirty-five to thirty-nine, and watching her, uh, what she was able to do at Legends this past December, um, mm-hmm. she came into that. You remember that final double workout very well. Pressure was on you. I can I can imagine the pressure was on her because she was outside of a podium spot and she ripped off a. I don't even remember the finishes. She might have won that first workout and then did enough in that second workout to hold on for a podium spot. And I just thought, okay, there's somebody who can step up to the moment when the stakes are high. Um, yes. If you look at what she did here 
in the uh, end of the the semifinal, she went 10th, 4th, and 4th, moving wow. her into a qualifying position. So we get to Madison. She gets her feet settled and feet on the ground, uh, gets comfortable with everything. I would watch for her at something at the latter half of the competition when she really needs to uh, um, pull a performance out. So yep. at, uh, yep. congratulations to her as well. Um, men's, 40 to 44. This is an interesting field. Um, Rudy Berger is back as the defending champ. And mm-hmm. that's where I stopped talking. There are only <laughs> two Americans. Rudy is one of them. This yep. is the most international field of all the age groups. Eight out of 10 are from other countries than the United States. Um, I don't know names. Um, I'm not aware of it. It looks like it's a pretty good shuffle from last year's men's 40 to four as well. So it's a whole new crop of, of guys coming in. And uh, I think CrossFit's probably pretty excited when you have this much international representation. Certainly they do across all the age groups, but look at the leaderboard for men's 40 to 44. Wow. Wow. Now welcome to CrossFit semifinals. I have insight on, um, I'm going to butcher, actually, you could butcher all of their names, actually, most of them. So I'm oh, just going to yeah. say our, our leader I put your names enough. <laughs> enough is uh, Samer uh, Zarur. I'm just going to say that name. Um, he and I chat on Instagram from time to time. Uh, so he's in Lebanon working on a visa to get over here. So he's he's incredibly hopeful that he gets a chance to compete in person. Uh, Kane Hayes from Australia. And uh, I believe Absolutely. I met Ryan. Yep. I think Ryan may have come out to the games with Kane Hayes. Uh, but I competed against Kane in 2019. Uh, in, in, in that year, we were both 40 to 44. Uh, Kane took fourth place that year. And there was a, there was a, an athlete second place, I believe, uh, that did uh, get a failed drug test. And so that put Kane Hayes onto the podium after the fact that year. So I know he was hungry to get back. Uh, he was there in 2022 and was on the podium in uh, 2022. So he, even though he's in eighth place, that guy is, uh, is a, again, I can only talk about the guys I know, but he is a machine and is very, very challenging out on the competition floor. So I'm actually nervous about him coming up to my age group next year. So I've got eyes on you, Kane. If you listen to this podcast, I know that we could be friends this year. And then next year, we're not friends anymore, <laughs> at least for at least for a couple of years. I was um, going to say, so he, he, he does one of those uh, pretty incredible feats where you qualify as the end of, at the end of the age group. Is that correct? So that is correct. 43, 44 right now. Okay. Wow. That's impressive. Very impressive. And then uh, let's see, I'll, I'll start off with women's 45 to 49. And then we know what you'll talk about yes. <laughs> next without a doubt. But, I got uh, Kelly, Kelly Friel, you got him mm-hmm. covered. Uh, Kelly Friel uh, qualified 45 to 49. And she was the champ last year in the 40 to 44 group. So she, again, she did what was you know, very difficult to do when you win at the end of the year age group uh, years and then age up. And here she is uh, sitting in the 45 to 49. Um, there were two ladies that are tied for ninth. It looks like both go. Both had the same number of points, 273 points. And also from the 45 to 49 Speaking of international uh, representation, three of the ladies, so almost a third of the 45-49 field, are from Brazil. Do they all know each other? Probably do. You know, even though it's a very large country, uh, when you're a master's athlete, it's small enough, and you 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 run in the same circles uh, with competitions. But uh, if all three wow. are able to make it up to Madison, that should be pretty entertaining to watch. Uh, uh, three. We're going to consider them friends, probably know each other, 
go at each other in the 45 to 49 group. Well, they'll be able to speak a language that right, men, most 40... of us won't understand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so... yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Men 45, Men's 45 to 49. Uh, hmm. I know, I I know this know. group quite well. Um, there's one name on there that I don't know, but uh, we've got Chris Anderson uh, that uh, took second place. Chris has just aged up into our age group. Um, he is a very fit human being. I've seen him at every competition, just battling the 40 to 44-year-olds. Um, I did compete with Chris at the games in 2019, I believe, was the last time I competed with him at the games. Uh, again, we were both in the same age group at that point. He is bumped up, and he is a, uh, he's is a he got an engine. And if you take a look at the workouts that he did really well in, um, he's, he's a threat. Uh, I say a threat. I'm, okay, so talking from my perspective, I know you all are listening. Like, I know these guys. I'll just say, like, this guy can really move fast. Mm-hmm. He's great at gymnastics. Uh, we've got Gerard in third. We talked about him last week. Um, Mike Kern is, I believe this might be Mike's sixth appearance at the games, fifth or sixth. Um, it's my fifth. I think he's got five or six. Just, a, he's an amazing athlete. Um, you know, when you look at Mike, he is he's built like a truck. And um, he may be one of the most intimidating uh, looking men on the field because of his strength. I mean, he's very, very strong. David Levy is an it was an individual athlete in his history. I believe he came on teams as well, I think. Um, but he's also an athlete that I competed against uh, the last time in the Masters Division in 2018. Uh, just an amazing athlete from South Africa. Ryan Redkey, this is his first appearance at the CrossFit Games. He, he had a, a dream to make it to the Games this year. Uh, I know he's got a whiteboard with his goals on it. So congratulations, Ryan. Um, amazing. Justin LaSala uh, is a 40. Well, he'll be a 49-year-old. So he is uh, at the top of this age group. He's mm-hmm. the old man in our age group. You're welcome, Justin, uh, for saying that. But amazing. I mean, this guy oh. just doesn't give up. He won't quit, and he's a solid athlete. He's been to the games every year I've been there, um, and I think one more than that. So uh, well done there. Lastly, yep. uh, stay, the last two guys. Stay know, 49, Justin. Stay 49. You know, Justin's coming for you next year. He's, he's amazing. God. Uh, Spencer Whitley is uh, from the UK. This is the second appearance at the Games. He was 40 to 44 in 2021, and uh, amazing athlete. He and I uh, took a swim together in Madison in an open water and got kicked out of said open water uh, because it wasn't the time to be open water swimming. But thank you, Spencer. I look forward to swimming with you to practice prior to the events this year. And Vlad Leskovich tied with Breck Berry at 275 points. Vlad uh, also was on the podium last year in third place. So Vlad is an incredible athlete. Uh, he is uh, from Belarus, which is why he does not have a flag. It's just, you know, Belarus and Russia flags don't show up. But uh, I believe he lives in California. And if, if you, um, you just want to meet one of the nicest guys out there, Vlad is uh, among some of the best. So uh, a stacked field right here and guys I'm very familiar with. So uh, that's it through the 45-year-olds. We will continue with the 50-plus athletes in the male and female divisions next week. Give some shout-outs. Uh, but congratulations to all of the under 50 year olds um that punched a ticket to the games this year it's an amazing thing every year it's amazing yeah, we we highlighted names of course that we know or people that we know and we know the quality of athletes one through ten but a lot can be said from 11 through 20 too and and from your experience when you were in fields of 20 uh that again that cut to 10 does leave a number of quality athletes in that 11, 12, 13, 14 area on, on the outside looking in. In years past, they would have been headed there. Uh, so it takes nothing away from their accomplishments, those that were just just a few points outside or maybe had one bad test that was enough to put them in 12th place or something like that. And it just shows you that 
that fine line that everybody who did qualify had to ride to, to make sure no holes, no mistakes, quality videos. Hey, say uh-huh. the password. Don't short the reps. Do everything right and be able to, to, to still uh, be fast enough to outdistance your competitors. Right. And, and bringing that up, we think about, you know, you and I have talked about another podcast. We talked about how great it would be again, to have 15 to 20 athletes at the games and that that would be a more well-rounded group of athletes presented in each age group. Yeah, that's a lot of human beings when you've got, you know, 14 categories of master's athletes uh, between male and female. Uh, but I just take a look at the 45-year-old division. Fifth place, uh, Joey Heshman, he had 251 points um, and 10th place was 275. Joey was 24 points out of 10th place. Um, that's just not that many points. When you take a look at, you know, how many points were available, you know? So, um, yeah, we've got 10th place, 275, 266, 255, 254, 251. That's such a tight amount. And and even going down to the top 20, but any one of those guys in that uh, 10 to 20-year-old, uh, 10 to 20-year-old, um, not year-old, uh, placement, um, if they're at the games and they're competing mm-hmm. in person, They've got a shot. And I, I'm a guy that can attest to that. I came to the games in 2018 in 13th place. That was my placing at the age group uh, qualifier that year and took third that year. So I was this sleeper. You know, no one knew me. It was my first year at the games. I just happened to be good at this. And I, I did okay. So certainly, uh, you know, the 13th in my division, David Johnston, um, I mean, that guy could come and easily be on the podium uh, if he was able to qualify, if they took the top 15. But um, again, we'll keep working on that uh, message to CrossFit because... Uh, you know, the masters yep. are the, the the bulk of CrossFit athletes over 50% are masters athletes. And I, you know, we're advocates and, and y'all know it out there that we're advocates of, of a larger group at the game. Absolutely. Of course. So Rick, and I'm maybe if it's not notes. some oh. of our older age. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, maybe if it's not some of our older age groups and which we will talk about next week, but I think the best thing to happen for that argument to continue to have legs is Rich and Scott turning 35 this year. Because the I, I feel this year, and we've been doing age group online qualifiers for a number of years now, I remember, I can't think of a year where there's been more talk from the main CrossFit media about age groups. And that's truly because of who they wanted to see in 35 to 39 and who, when Rich made his announcement, who they aren't going to see. Because people, he he, and the rest of those guys bring eyeballs onto the sport. And I think that's that's what CrossFit should be looking for. Yeah. Um, can you make it work? Even if you give them more space, more spots, what's wrong with 15, 35 to 39-year-old males and females? Right. I mean, come on. Um, if they want to grow it, if they want to grow the game side, yeah, that's, that's the way it's a fair argument. And even if they started with that age, right. You know, and again, we'd like to see that, Mm -hmm. you know, as many age groups, maybe there's a minimum amount of participants in an age group in order for them to uh, expand that field, which would be cool. But they pay the 35 to 39 year olds a larger prize purse than the 40 plus. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it, it only, it, it, it just makes sense that, well, if there's a larger prize pool there, let's have more competitors there. Um, of course, you and I want to advocate like let's let's spread this prize pool to the other age groups as well. But again, if that age group has the largest participation in the open, that 35 to 39, or it has one of the largest along with the 40 to 44, but that's a lot of inflow of of income to CrossFit um, by having those extra people in there. They're already paying them a little bit more in the prize pool. I mean, significantly more. So their first place gets 25000 
our first place gets 10,000. That's, that's more than twice as much. They should have a larger field there um, mm-hmm. to be consistent. I mean, it's a consistent, I agree. A larger field, larger prize pool. And then they graduate that down for the older age groups, which is, um, you know, it is what it is, but interesting stuff. Um, in our show notes, Rick, we'll, you, we'll keep mentioned that drum. <laughs> the, you mentioned the worm in our show notes. We chatted about this beforehand. And uh, again, I forgot to ask you in our show notes, why <laughs> did you want to talk about the worm? And what, is it, what does that mean for you, the worm? We're talking about the team version of the worm. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the, the worm? The team version of the worm. Well, <laughs> you know, leave it to me to bring out something from left field here. But no, there was, there was an interesting article I found this week on the history of the worm from a team as a team implement and how it has uh, uh, transitioned over the years uh, into what its current form is, the current four person worm. I thought it was a little relevant just because of with um, elite semifinals beginning this week and moving for the next three weeks, teams come back into focus. Um, It's been, it's been a darn near two months since I think they did their quarterfinals. Uh, It's shockingly long that we're complete. We've had quarterfinals and semifinals and a few weeks off and now suddenly teams are back in the mix but um t- i tied this into uh legends you you mentioned last week uh when we talked about the legends competition that they'll be introducing teams for the first time um with some age group requirements and masters fitness collective the other high level off season competition did have teams last year they had teams of two and i actually participated with a two person worm and competed with that and um It's just something that maybe as master's athletes, we don't train with as often. Um, You know, we might watch the younger ones in the gym if you have a regionals level team that's practicing and uh, you might help them move it back and forth or whatever. Or, hey, take a few, you know, uh, thruster reps with with it and go, oh, God, this thing is awful. I don't know how you guys move this in in unison together and how you work together with communication. But just something to think about. Uh, Again, I I would imagine out of all the implements in the gym, the worm for a master's athlete is probably the least touched. Um, And not because of skill. It's just because who, who thinks to work with it? Unless you have a reason, and I sure hope that um, uh, Legends this year uh, has, you know, thoughts of maybe introducing that. It's a great way to to force teammates to work together, um, and and we'll see it on display this weekend at the the first of the semifinals, both in Africa and North America East. Did you say that the first uh, worm was made out of wood and chain? Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Come on, yep, that's, I wood mean, and what, chain. Yeah. Do you re- you remember those? Well. It ties back to certainly Castro and and SEAL training. Um, Prospective SEAL candidates have something called log PT, where they just carry logs everywhere. And they do a lot of the same, believe it or not, movements that you will see now on the competition floor, up and over your head, down to the ground, back up. They march with it. They carry it. They hold it in static position, static holds over their heads. But what Rogue introduced in 2013 were individual sections uh, they bored a two-inch hole through each of the sections and linked them with chains and I have the details on it it's pretty scary the log worm weighed 405 pounds and for comparison's sake the modern four-person worm that you're going to see this weekend is 365 pounds and you see that the stress and strain that they're under now with arguably stronger athletes in 2013 to be manhandling 405 pounds. And I think it was still six person teams back then. I could be wrong, but um, crushed fingers, uh, banged heads, 
it, they until Rogue got smart and put uh, the soft bags in there and covered them, you had uh, that gnarly uh, log worm as the uh, introduction to to the worm in team sports. I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. You just, yeah. You know, it's not uh, often I, you talk think... about the worm on a on our podcast. No, <laughs> no, but I. I... I agree with you that with uh, with Legends being able to have a four-person team, I just can imagine Bob and Joe sitting in a room at a white, thinking to themselves, how can we kill them? How can we kill them? Well, the worm would do it. The worm would really do it. And uh, I mean, to, to have, they always, they always have really great coverage of Legends. And to have four-person Masters teams navigating a worm would be oh. just a, a treat to watch. And I am going to raise my hand as a guy that I've never touched uh, a worm it, it, or the four-person worms or anything like that. I was in a, a competition one time that was a partner competition, and, and we did some sort of sandbag over our heads. It was tied together. It was a little janky. Uh, but even that was pretty interesting, pretty tough. It wasn't formal. But to have a four-person balance, coordination, agility, all the CrossFit words in mm-hmm. one implement and having four people synchronize that, that sounds amazing. And I, yeah. in my mind, I, I think about Legends, like just on that fact, I want to do, I want to do team. I won't, I'll probably do individual, but it would be so much fun to be a part of a team doing something like that. Well, when, when you put more than two people on a team together, I think then you begin to run into a ceiling at some point with ways to test teamwork. You can yeah. have waterfall style events and you can have you go, I go, or two males work, two females then work. but until you introduce something where everybody has to collectively work together, I think the worm is perfect for that. Um, you know, I've with a three-person competition that I did, you can't even put it down unless you're in sync to put it down because one person puts it down, the other two aren't ready, and it comes ripping off their shoulders. Um, I mean, that's why you institute drop commands and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it'll be something, and I. You know, hey, let's let's watch the best in the world work over the next three weeks with it, and oh, I can't uh, wait. Maybe we'll see it later this year. You never know. As a as a fan of the sport, I'm super excited to watch semifinals. Uh, I've, I've got friends competing in the East. I've got friends competing in the West, uh, in Brazil, um, overseas. I mean, it's just going to be really fun to watch. Um, so, with all of that said, you and I were talking beforehand. Like, it would be fun to talk about um, how we train as masters versus younger athletes. And this is a huge topic. We could spend a straight year talking about this. And, and um, this will come up from time to time where we'll just bring up a certain element of how we train as masters differently than younger athletes. So we decided to start at just the very beginning of a training session and hit the topic briefly on warm-ups. And uh, I know you and I, we, we spent 20 minutes talking about our warm-up and priming and, and the, the things that work, the things that don't work, and, and our time constraints as Masters. But um, to, to kick this off, I'll say that, you know, obviously as Masters athletes, it is imperative for us to um, really spend time on our warm-up. Like, this is a methodical process to get warm to make sure uh, that we're mobilized, our you know we've got a heart rate, we've got some sweat going uh, before we do really anything, but especially more complex, higher level skills. Um, and so, whether you're new to CrossFit or you're you know a seasoned games athlete, the warm up is like just about one of the most imp- elements of this entire game. In fact, uh, one of my friends is a 32 year old uh, games athlete. Uh, he'll be competing at semifinals this year, but he's 32. And I was talking with him a couple weeks ago. He walked in and he was getting ready to, to train a second session. And he was like, you know, hey, Grub, I used to be able to just walk in and just work out. Like I was just, I, I didn't need a warm up. I just, you know, ice cold. I just get into a snatch session. It's like, now I got to spend like 20 minutes warming up before I put a barbell over my head. I'm like, yeah, bro, you're 32. Like you're an old man. You gotta, you gotta do these things. Um, 
but so it's it's really important to to do that. Well, we could say it's important, but you also mentioned constraints and the challenges with doing a proper warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to share about that, especially even your experience this morning? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought the topic up because, yes, it was relevant uh, from just what I was what I was going through. Um, I well, first from pulling back, I do think um, affiliates overall have become more intelligent about how to warm athletes up, and that's general population, that's competitive athletes. Uh, but I think specifically for the masters tracks that you followed, you you probably have seen an evolution in the dedication that that. Uh, programmers uh, put into properly uh, priming the systems of what you're trying to achieve, at least in the first uh, two or three uh, movements. But I, I'm, I'm very lucky that I come from um, a, a place in our gym where our programmer and owner, um, he believes um, wholeheartedly in not only a, a, a pull a full proper uh, warm up and a lot of accessory work and then a, and a proper cool down. Um, yeah. The trouble that I face now, though, from a constraint perspective, is like I walked in this morning and I knew I had an hour and fifteen minutes. That's and that that was my hard stop because I had to get home, get ready for work, and head out the door. So what that does is it causes me to shortchange my uh, my warm up some. And so we've all all of us. Anybody out there has sometimes used the first round of something as a, well, that'll be my kind of even better warm up. And then round two becomes, okay, now the workout has started. You don't do that in competition, obviously, but in training days, look, something in the gym is better than nothing in the gym. I've always told myself that. Um, I try not to stress too much about missing things. I need to do a better job of that. Like if I don't get to everything, um, but but sometimes a proper warm up uh, does pay benefits. It's going to limit injury. Uh, it's going to um, I, I think help you achieve what uh, you want to get out of said test that morning uh, that much yep. more uh, if you're properly warmed up. So you know I'll be on the I'll be on the shorter side. Maybe you have the perspective of hey being able to take a little bit longer. Yeah, as a as a as, as someone who builds my entire day around my training sessions, um, I have the liberty to do that. Uh, but it's it comes at a cost. Um, you know, we're doing a, a podcast at 8.30 at night. And last night I was responding to some emails at 10.30. Um, I had this window of opportunity to get work done. But it's but I do build my day around my training sessions. Uh, so that does put me in a position where I, I most of the time, and I'm talking most of the time, like 98% of the time, I will uh, go through my own warm-up, which is, uh, I do have that documented online. It's, it's on YouTube. It's I go through a basic warm-up specifically every day, and that's 10 minutes or so uh, of effort there. And then I uh, will go into a specific primer-type warm-up that helps me get ready for whatever's going on for that day. Uh, I was telling you today I had uh, some squat clean work, uh, some front squat work as well. That was the first thing to, to kick off the day. So, you know, I started up with uh, you know, goblet kettlebell step-ups to get some individual leg priming going on, um, some weighted pistols, some kettlebell thrusters. All of that to help uh, prime my core, my legs for some heavy lifting. And it's not fun. It's mundane. In fact, sometimes I'm annoyed at how out of breath I am in a warm up when I haven't started the workout yet. Like, this isn't supposed to feel like this until I, my brain is ready to work out when I'm working out. But sometimes the warm up can be really uh, challenging. Uh, but I'm super warm. I'm, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas right now. So at, my, at the end of my warm up tonight, I was in, or this morning, 
I was incredibly sweaty, uh, but I was primed to do this lifting session, uh, and I felt safe. You know, my you know my first front squat uh, felt good, and I think that's one of the things that I found by doing a solid, consistent, proper warm up. The first rep of something doesn't hurt, and on the days that I do, uh, yeah. only have that you know I don't have that much time to get the the warm up done. Um, that first rep hurts. You know, the first time I put a barbell overhead, if I'm not warm, it's not pleasant. Um, there's like, I just feel old and achy, but if I prime the system, uh, boy, things feel, you know, so much better. I've, I've lubricated all the joints, uh, you know, all the internal engine parts are ready to move now. Um, and, and on higher skill movements like ring muscle ups, bar muscle ups, chest to bar, um, there are some movements that actually require, I require a little more warming up to do, uh, just to get through and make sure that I'm not putting myself in a position where I could get injured. I actually just held a a competitive training camp this past weekend. and, And someone said, What's the most important thing uh, as you as you move into becoming a competitor? You know, is it like nutrition? Like, what's the if we could boil it down to what's the most important thing? And I was like, don't get hurt. That is the most important thing. So whatever you need to do to not get mm-hmm. hurt, because that's three steps back. Um, it's not just two steps; it's three, four steps back. It takes so much work to get back to healthy. Um, so again, it's a, it is a matter of time, and everything is a compromise, right? So sometimes. We've got a smaller window, so we might, and I will do this from time to time, I may have to consolidate that warm-up. Now, as we move into the summer months, I don't know if you found it, it's easier to warm up when it's light out in the morning. Absolutely. it's not 10 degrees out, right? It's easier to get warm. Fair? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the the doors doors to the garage are already open. Walk in there in the morning, lights, lights coming up. And, you know, you don't have to feel like you still need your winter coat on uh, to be able to, to grab the PVC pipe and start to warm up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll, I, I'll say this to you. Um, I, oh, go ahead. No, go. You go. You're good. Oh, well, I, no, I was going to say I find myself needing a lot more thorough of a warm up when it's um, upper body, more shoulder intensive, uh, just because of uh, I think it's easier to step into lower body squatting, um, uh, lunging, anything like that, 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 uh, requires the use of your larger muscles below the waist doesn't take as much to warm up as something technical or something overhead or something with, uh, uh, you know, swinging, like you said, bar muscle up, ring muscle ups, toes to bar. Those I have to be careful with because I think the sh- the torque on the shoulders as we get older, have to be careful yeah. with that. You go into that cold, that's asking for uh, a recipe for disaster. I, I agree. I also feel like I tend to spend a little more time mobilizing areas that have been historically troublesome. Uh, so yes, shoulders in particular, mm-hmm. if we're doing something overhead or something where we're swinging, uh, doing some shoulder rotation work. Um, for me, I've, I've always had some issues with my right hip. Um, so that affects lunging, it affects, affects squatting, it affects actually everything, running, it doesn't matter. It, walking, existing, my left hip needs to be warmed up just to exist in life now. Um, but, you know, if I will spend more time making sure that those problem areas are well warmed up so that uh, I can avoid injury or re-injuring an area that's a little sensitive. Um, but they also, I also find that they require a little more time to warm up. You know, if I'm, you said walking lunges and I'm like, Ooh, mm-hmm. well, I got to warm up for those. I really got to warm up for walking lunges. I am really good at that, ah, Okay, but I really got to warm up for them. Uh, to me, they're like pistol squats. I have to warm up as much for pistol squats as I do walking lunges. Oh, uh, <laughs> I hate it. It's em. crazy. Oh, hate them. My knees hate them. Um, I, uh, yeah. And it's, for me, it's funny because my knees are happy. I've got happy knees, but I've got an angry hip. Uh, or it does, it's not angry, but it gets angry easily. And that's uh, just one of those things. 
So, um, you know, with, with, with that in mind, uh, masters athletes, good luck. You know, we got to find the balance between work, life, balance, uh, family and, uh, and staying injury free. Best way to do that is to warm up. I guess the last thing I'll say, since I'm on the topic is that, um, people often ask me like, do I do additional mobility? You know, do, do I do mobility sessions at night or outside? I do all of my mobility as part of my warm up. So that is the time when, you know, I consistently work on my ankle mobility. I'm consistently improving my wrist mobility, my hip mobility, um, shoulder mobility. That's just part of my warm up. So uh, some people do that as a separate session, which can help, you know, help make life a little bit easier for me. Yep. I do. Yes. You you do it separate. I I do it separately. I I, uh, use the pliability app. Uh, It is absolutely something that I have been trying to be more dedicated to, but it's something later in the evening. Um, It doesn't take a super long time if you choose one of the shorter tracks, but you're consistent with it. Um, And I just feel better. I feel better than moving the next day, kind of taking taking some of the, the pain away from whatever has happened the current day that you're doing, that you're working, what you're working with. Well, I may have to try that. Some people it's swear by it. Yeah, yeah, I may have to do <laughs> yeah. that. And again, if I, I can give 10 minutes, I got 10 minutes at night. Um, that's 10 minutes where I can catch up mm-hmm. on like the latest mm-hmm. video on YouTube about anything, really anything CrossFit yep. related. I'll just watch. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, Rick, it's come to that time of our podcast where it's time for some uh, yep. uh, picks of the week. I'm going to I'm gonna do mine first because yours is really fun. I can't wait to hear yours. Um, I'll share mine really quick. So I have for yeah. years now, um, I've taken a nighttime recovery drink. Uh, it's a protein powder that has uh, some ingredients in there that, that promote recovery and sleep. It's called Third Z. And so the way that you would spell that is third with a Z-Y on the end, Third Z. Uh, and it's such a good uh, – so I, they sent me this product, and I'm not someone who adds a lot of supplements to my life. I mean, I'm very careful about what I add. Uh, I, I don't want to spend money that I don't need to spend. I also don't want to put things in my body that I don't need. So I thought I would give it a shot. Uh, you know, at the time I was taking magnesium, uh, L-tryptophan uh, as well before bed in order to help me sleep better. Mm-hmm. Those ingredients were already in Third Z, but it also includes uh, collagen uh, as well as a number of other ingredients. So I gave it a shot and my sleep recovery went through the roof for the entire week that I was taking this. I was like, oh my gosh. At the time I was wearing a Whoop. Now I wear an Apple Watch, but it was essentially the same data tracked and my recovery went uh, through the roof. I I said that, but I was in the green every day for like a week. And then whenever you set a new norm, the, the, the tracker will then make that an average, make that more normal. So my new normal was much more well recovered. Um, and it was fantastic. So uh, I, when I started working with Thursday, I didn't realize they were just a couple months old. So I've been working with them for 18 months at least now. Uh, so it's a, they're a great company. Uh, I set a meeting with them this week just to catch up. Um, and I, I love them. They've supported me as a master's athlete for the past year and a half. Uh, I've referred 30 for that year and a half. And everyone that has uh, tried it uh, has, has has loved it. So um, shout out to those guys. It's a great company. Um, I don't, Again, I don't share a lot about supplements. I don't promote supplements uh, at this point, Thursday is a supplement uh, and it's well worth it. It's great. I'll, I'll, in the description, I'll uh, leave a link that gives you 25% off your first order of Thursday. So that's a nice discount. Uh, give that a shot. It's, it's great stuff. And it's something I've heard you talk about 
Um, and as much as you and I talk and catch up, uh, you mentioned it a lot and I've never tried it. So I, you know, hey, anything to help me sleep, trust me, sign me up. So I'll do that. My, my pick of the week is a throwback to what we talked about last week. Uh, the new sponsor of, uh, let's see what we call them, recovery drinks and, uh, protein shakes for the CrossFit games this year is, uh, uh the Jocko line of products, Jocko fuel, maybe, or something like that, but specifically Jocko Mulk and uh, it's M O L K. Now we record these audio only, but if you could see me, and I think Jason's laughing at me now because all through this episode, I have been drinking one. I said I found it at the uh, 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 vitamin shop this past weekend, and I said, you know what? What better way to try it than a taste test during our little recording here? So I have the vanilla Jocko Mulk. I keep saying that wrong, but uh, it's a protein shake. It's 30 grams of protein. It is, uh, it's a little heavy. I'll tell you that much. Um, I would not advise having this immediately after a workout if you're really thirsty, uh, which I was tonight. So <laughs> it didn't work out really well. But I'll tell you what, overall, um, on a scale of one to 10, I'll probably give it an eight. Um, it has a really good taste. It doesn't have, we've all had plenty of these uh, protein type uh, shakes before where they uh, they have a very chalky or um, uh, hard to describe, but uh, it's just not a uh, natural taste to it. This has a pretty good taste. Um, so for that reason, um, it has everything that you're looking for, I think. Uh, Keto-friendly, no sugars added, uh, no artificial colors, and uh, grass-fed little picture of a cow on the front of it here. So you guys will have fun with this in Madison. Uh, I'll look for it in the stores. It's uh it's good. You know, for 30 grams in a little box, uh, again, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. We are certainly not supported by these guys. But just for this recording, I figured, let me drink it instead of a nice glass of ice water or something like that. Forget it. I got a, I got a protein shake in my hand. So uh, they, I think they made a good choice. Oh, that's like great. It. And to yeah. all of those. <laughs> live, of those endor- live endorsement. <laughs> yeah, all those companies that want to send us drinks to test out during our podcast, we'd be happy to do that. And I'm glad to hear that it is not chalky. That's my biggest concern with those types of drinks. Um, yeah, but it is, no. it's, it's got some, it's got some heaviness to it. So maybe not going to drown myself in that after a, mm-hmm. a 10 mile run or something, but, uh, to get a 30 grams of protein, uh, it's a good amount of protein. And, um, to hit 220 grams of protein a day, it's 11 ounces uh, I, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and grass fed. Yeah. Those are happy cows, right? I'm a big fan of happy cows. So, Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for trying that out. That's really fun. And uh, we'll say, we'll call it mulk <laughs> or milk, and we're going to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I know. Either way. We uh, want to thank you for tuning in to the Masters of Motion podcast. If you found this episode to be helpful, we'd be so grateful if you could take a moment to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. Your support helps us reach more listeners and grow our Masters community. Until next time, get bolder, not older. We'll see you.